The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number, verse number 13. And let's read, uh, read this, uh, follow along as I read. The Bible says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, Timothy, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Isn't that a beautiful picture right there? We might pass over that, but uh, which dwelleth in us. We have communion in the Holy Spirit, right? We have fellowship in the Holy Spirit together. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Let's be seated. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. We pray that you would bless it to our hearts uh, as spiritual food. We pray that you'd strengthen us. Lord, we do look forward to all that you're going to do in the days ahead. And we acknowledge right now, uh, publicly and corporately as a congregation, Lord, that we need your help to reach this community for you. Uh, we can't do it without you. You've placed us here. Uh, Lord, for many years, you have allowed the existence of the Grace Baptist Church, and we need you uh, this year now more than ever. And so we ask you that you would use us, that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, and that right now you would strengthen us with might in the inner man so that we might be the best servants for you that we can possibly be. And we'll give you praise for how you use us, and we'll be careful to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Timothy was naturally a timid individual. Uh, we, we see that in, in the writings of Paul because he, he's constantly encouraging uh, Timothy, stand strong, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, don't be ashamed, don't let them get to you, all these different things. He, he, is, he is speaking to Timothy as one who struggled with a little bit of timidity. And uh, even at a certain point in Paul's letter, he, he talked to him about the stomach issues that he had. Likely, Timothy got some anxiety from different um, battles and the different things that he had to engage in. But Paul constantly was encouraging Timothy, stand strong, be strong, keep going ahead, don't back down, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, and, and continue on for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 28 and verse number 1, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The fact of the matter is that you and I can only have boldness as we are walking with the Lord, as we're doing His will, as we're acting in rightness or righteousness, as we're doing the will of the Lord. And as Timothy would go forward in the will of the Lord and in his calling, he could be assured of the fact that God would be with him and that he could stand boldly. But it did not keep Paul from encouraging him. Timothy, I want you to stand firm. I want you to endure all the way to the end. In fact, the reason we've titled the series Endure is because that's kind of the, the key word that Paul gives to Timothy. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 and verse number 3. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Endure. Keep on. Don't back down, Timothy. Don't back away. Tonight, as we finish up chapter number 1, we find Paul challenging Timothy to stand firm. Not to be wishy-washy, not to be, uh, to be waffling back and, um, back and forth. The Bible tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so it's important that we, along with Timothy, receive the instruction of the Lord that we would stand firm. And how we would stand firm, God is very specific to Timothy. And notice here in verse number 13, he says, Hold fast the form of sound words. Let's read that together. Hold fast the form of sound words. How many of you appreciated last week the, the teaching on the Bible from Dr. Farnham? Boy, I did. 
One of the things, if we remember, we, we, we tend to only remember about 10% of what we hear. Is that how it goes, right? So uh, better um, make sure that we, uh, we get the right 10% here. But I remember something that he said last week that really intrigued me. And it's interesting that we're in this passage. Now, he talked about this word form. Form. And he talked about what it meant. And it's so interesting that God gets very specific with Timothy and tells him, Timothy, you need to make sure that you have a determined, you make sure that you choose your position. And I want you to make sure that you're choosing your position on the very words of Scripture. Not just on the thoughts of Scripture, that's important, but on the very words of Scripture that you're not waffling on the actual definition of Scripture, the actual uh, uh, lines and determinations of Scripture. And notice here he says, hold fast, seize on to it. Timothy, I want you every day of your life, I want you to hear the command ringing in your ears, I want you to seize the word of truth, and I want you to hold on to it. I don't want you to let it go. You know every word in Scripture is important? Do you believe that tonight? Every word in Scripture is important. There's not anything that, that we can just cross out and you say, well, that's not important. If we do that, we start, the whole Bible starts to fall apart. If one thing's not important, then the, the rest isn't. If one thing's not true, the rest isn't. It is so important to stand firm on the, the very words of God. And he says here, hold fast to the form of sound doctrine. Notice, or sound words. Notice this, this sound words has the idea of the correct words or the truthful words, the, the accurate words, the healthy words of doctrine that the, on the Bible gives us but this word this word to uh to hold fast to the sound form this word form has the idea of to sketch out or to outline like we heard last week uh it 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 talks of the the boundaries or the definition the 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 absolute definition of a word and what Paul is telling Timothy is, I want you not to give up any word of Scripture. I don't want you to give up any word of truth. I want you to stand firm on it all. We believe in verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture as, as a church. We believe in that God breathed it. He gave his word. It's from him. We believe they breathed it out, uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16. We believe that that, that affects every bit of Scripture. There are not parts of Scripture that are not inspired. We believe the whole thing, all 66 books, and we believe the cover too when it says Holy Bible, right? And we believe all 66 books, we believe that the very words of the Bible are inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I want you to hold fast. I don't want you to give up any ground when it comes to the very basic, the very basic element of scripture, the very words of scripture, hold fast to it. Don't give up any ground. This word, is seen in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, Jesus, um, Paul talking, giving testimony, that in me first, Jesus Christ, might show forth all longsuffering. Now notice, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to ever, unto life everlasting. The word form is translated there as pattern. It is this absolute, this, this, this thing that can, uh, can be used to reduplicate in another. And so the word here speaks of a pattern or of a definition by which one, uh, one can maintain the sameness of a thing. So that the sameness of truth, the, the, the consistency of truth is passed from one Christian to the next. By the way, what does the Bible say in 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 2? And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's taking the word that Timothy has learned, now give it to somebody else. That same exact word with the same definition, with the same uh, weight of truth. And, and don't give it up at all, Timothy. We are in a day when words are being so redefined and changed around. And even sometimes you're reading through the Bible and, and what words used to mean, they, they, they've changed around. And sometimes it seems that um, words, are, uh, words are coming out of nowhere. I mean, they're, just, they're coming into society and to popularity very, very quickly. Paul's saying, Timothy, no matter what's going on, I want you to hold fast to the form of sound words. I want you to hold on to the very phraseology. Uh, one man put it this way, perhaps an illustration of this might help. Uh, it, we have uh, what some people might perceive as old-fashioned expressions as being born again or the blood of Jesus Christ. By the way, do you know that there are some denominations that literally would, uh, went through their hymnals and took out all references to the blood of Jesus Christ? 
you realize why that's important that we hold fast to when the Bible says that we are redeemed by the very blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you realize that it's important to hold fast to those words? It's not that we're just, we're just redeemed by his life. We're, we're, we're redeemed. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. You see how, uh, how subtle Satan is to, to take out the power of, the, of the power of salvation, the power that, uh, that is needed for salvation. And so these, these maybe what some people might think, being born again uh, or of the blood of Jesus Christ, people may want to use a more sophisticated language, but the subtle da- uh, danger is here in abandoning the scriptural mode of expression They often abandon the very truths which are communicated by these expressions. Therefore, Timothy should hold fast the very pattern of healthy, doctrinal, correct, accurate words that the Bible gives us. So words like justification, what do we need to do with it? We need to define it. Words like propitiation, we need to define it, help people understand that that means the appeasement of wrath. And it's not that we need to just kick it. We need to define these things. In fact, all over, I was thinking about this today, the word uh, justified is used all around our country in the justice system. It's not an archaic word. It's a word that's uh, being used. I thank God that we're justified by faith. Praise the Lord for that word. That's a good word. That's a good uh, word for me as a Christian. Another man put it this way. He is to hold to the doctrinal phraseology he received from the great apostle. Particularly, the words are to be retained and used so that the doctrinal statements of the truth may remain accurate and a norm for future teachers and preachers. He's to take what he learned, he's to receive it, and he's to pass it along, is the idea. This is vitally connected with the doctrine of verbal inspiration, which holds that the Bible writers wrote down in God-chosen words the very truth by revelation. They weren't just saying, you know, I think this is generally what God was trying to get across. Back to our, our illustration about, about the, the standard. No, God gave the very words of Scripture. You have what he wants you to have. And every word is important. And so Timothy was the whole fast of this. And listen, in a day when so much is changing, and I appreciate the, the heart and the spirit of la, uh, last week, in a day when so much is changing, may we just understand, we cannot go around just changing this. This is not up to us to change. God gave us this, and it is authoritative because it is from God. And so it's so important that Timothy would hold fast. Now notice, Timothy heard this from the Apostle Paul. Paul was a pattern for Timothy. Paul delivered what God had given to him. In fact, if you will, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 for a moment. And I want to note this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 23. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 23. Paul says this, For I have received of the Lord that which also I, what? Delivered unto you. What did Paul receive from the Lord? Instructions concerning the Lord's table. You know, even the Lord's table has been convoluted in how, uh, how it has been taken by, uh, by some denominations and used as a means of grace. Do you understand that Paul received from Jesus Christ and he took this and he delivered it to the Corinthian believers? So this is exactly what he's saying. Don't shift on these very words. Don't shift on these. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, he, he received it and he delivered it to the Corinthian believers. And that's exactly what Paul, um, Paul is telling Timothy to do. Make sure you hold fast, you stand firm. You don't budge, you don't give up ground on the very words of scripture. We have to do the same. In this day of changing everything, we must stand firm on the words of scripture. By the way, it is the very word of scripture upon which Jesus Christ is gonna build his church. And upon which we can go forward with this in mind and realize that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the, the word of truth. What was the word that Jesus used to counteract the temptations there, uh, there in the desert? The very word of God. He quoted God's word. Satan has no match. It is all powerful. It is quick and powerful. And so this position was to be held and it was a determined position. Uh, Timothy was going to have to choose to do this. And you know what? We're going to have to choose to do it today. Because as we spoke this morning, it is becoming an increasingly unpopular message. It's amazing to me. It is amazing to me how reading this book, it's always been unpopular with the world, but it's amazing to me how unpopular it has become in the, in the last 15, 20, 
years, and I, I, I'm assuming all of you who are older than I can, I, I'm sorry, more mature than I can, uh, can, un, you know, can relate to that. You understand what I'm saying? It, it is amazing how fast things are changing. We have to stand firm on the very words of truth. And by the way, if you don't stand firm as an, as an adult, what's the next generation going to do? Yeah. If you're, if you're waffling on it, the next generation is going to waffle even worse or they'll drop it altogether. Oh, that we would stand firm. Listen, we have, we have children coming in, in this. I wish, I wish every one of you could have seen the, um, from side to side two rows of children on this platform on, on, on Wednesday night. We have children that are being brought up in this church and that are being brought into this church that need to see adults standing fast on, on sound doctrine and sound words. We have teenagers that are being brought up in the church and brought into the church that are, need to see the same exact thing, being, standing fast. But I want you to quickly see what Paul told Timothy here. It's not just this determined position. Sometimes we can, we can thump a position. This is what I believe. Great. We should. We should hold fast, and we should have a strong stand on the words of God. And, and because it's God's word, we can have a strong stand on it. We can be dogmatic on, on these things in the word of God. But he said here, notice verse number 13, in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is how Timothy was to have this stand. This was how Timothy was to, to carry out this position. And what I want us to see is Timothy was not just to have a determined position. He was to have a balanced disposition. I, I love this. I really, I really appreciate this, this verse. I think it's helpful. I think it's instructive. I think it is very practical to us this week. Timothy was not just to, not just to hold fast these words, these sound words, but he was to do it in faith and in love. What's the idea there? In dependence and in a spirit of faith. Do you know that every one of us need dependence on, the, on God? for strength to stand in this incredibly perverse and evil culture? We need that. You're not going to always feel bold and courageous. We need his strength. We need uh, to depend upon him to do it. Every day that we wake up, we should be saying, God, I need you to give me the grace to stand up for you and to stand upon your word and not back down and not back away from it. We need that spirit of faith. Timothy, by faith you go forward. By faith you stand. In fact, that's what he told the Corinthian believers, you, you, can't, you can't rest on us. I want to remind you, I want to remind you in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24 that by faith you stand. Your, your faith is not settled in us as apostles and as preachers. Your faith must be settled in God and their dependence must be in him to take the stand that they need to. Timothy was to have faith that balanced this position, but also love, that sacrificial love, that love for God. I take this stand because I love God. I can't disappoint my heavenly father. Wouldn't it be good for us to have that perspective? I can't disappoint him. But as well, love for fellow man. I can't withhold from them the very truth of God's word. The ultimate, the ultimate despising of another individual is to withhold from them the truth that will set them free. To withhold from them the very doctrine, the very words that would change their destiny. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to balance out your position. I want you to hold on to this position. Take your stand. Be firm. Yes, but do it with dependence, with faith. Do it with love. Have those both in hand. And it reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 4, uh, 1 and verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of what, church? Grace and truth. Isn't that amazing? That's how Jesus existed. That's how Jesus walked through Jerusalem, full of grace and truth. Was there plenty of times he should have just, I mean, if he were us, uh, we would have just smashed, you know, just gotten rid of the, uh, the opposition. But no, Jesus was full of grace and truth, both. You know what, that's what he's telling this preacher to do. And you know that's what he's telling us to do in 2021. Hold your position we are Bible-believing, fundamental Baptists. Hold your position, but hold it in faith and love. Uh, we can get off in that, can't we? We can get off in that right within our homes. We can get off in this, but hold it in faith and love. A right position can be undermined by a wrong disposition. 
Now, there's some folks that everything's disposition to them. Everything's about the disposition. Doesn't matter if you're right, if you had the right disposition. But I want us to realize that we need both of these. Both were told on Timothy was to have. He was to have a position, standing firm on the sound words. But he was to do it with faith and with love in the Holy Ghost. This was how he was to do this. It was, it was to be that way. But a right position can be undermined by a wrong disposition. I want us to think about this. Peter stood up for Jesus Christ in the garden, didn't he? You know where I'm going, don't you? But you know, I, I, I have a feeling that uh, the cutting off of that, that, uh, that servant's ear kind of undermined his position. You with me? Yeah. Moses, uh, Moses was leading over one million people. They were complaining every day. I mean, they could, they could have God send down quail and manna, and if they didn't have water when they wanted it, they were done and they complained. They come to the Red Sea and they complain. Uh, we, we're finally out of Egypt. We're not being beaten by our taskmasters. We come up against the Red Sea and now we don't have anywhere to go. You brought us out into the, world, uh, into the wilderness to kill us and they're complaining. Uh, and Moses, time and time again, is hearing all these complaints. The second time that he, he was delivering water to them, God told him to speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? Oh, he was standing for God. He's even standing up against their complaining and critical and nasty spirit they're just their grumpiness they're grumbling you know what his disposition his attitude his attitude undermined his position jonah preached i mean he preached and finally right I don't know if he still had seaweed in his, in his hair, but he, he preached, the, he preached the, um, the gospel there. He told those heathen in Nineveh how to come to, uh, how to, come to God and, and have faith. The whole city turns, and what's, what's Jonah doing out in, the, out in the hillside? Do you know, I just wonder, there's always been media, but I just wonder if there weren't some media, uh, media crew that went out and interviewed or went out and saw what was going on in the hillside as he was having a pity party out there and relayed that back into town. But I, I'll tell you one thing, on, at least in our own hearts, the disposition of Jonah undermines everything he preached. None of us want to name our kids Jonah. Well, he's kind of a loser in, in, in a sense. Now, now I, I say that, and I'm going to backtrack because we've all been there, right? And, you know, and we, can, we, can, we can identify right with him. What... what what, a, what an individual, and in some ways, you know, as we think into the word of God, isn't it amazing God puts those stories in there as well? And uh, it's an amazing thing to think that even in all of that, God used him to see a whole city come to Jesus Christ. I mean, just amazing. But the, the wrong disposition undermined the right position. What about the disciples? They're following Jesus. They're staying with him. They're protecting him. And uh, these, little, these little children start running up and demanding, and uh, you, know how they, you know how they do it. They weasel through the legs, right? And they're, they're running around, no doubt. They're running around, and they're, they're trying to get to Jesus, and the disciples say, hey, Jesus is too busy. He has a schedule to keep, and you're not welcome over here. And maybe they just said, you know, come, come back another day, and they push the children away. You know, these disciples that are following Jesus Christ are with Jesus. Isn't it enough to be with Jesus? No, their wrong disposition undermined their position. And over and over, we can go throughout the Bible and see where people were in the right place, taking the right stand, but had the wrong attitude, weren't thinking it in a spirit of faith, weren't acting in love, and undermined the very position they, um, they claimed to hold. You know, we can do that right out in town. We can do that tomorrow at a job site. We can do that. Uh, a, a rudeness. Oh, I'm a Christian. I was at church. But the, the sharpness or the rudeness. I, I think one of the ways that we undermine our position is by expecting sinners to act like saints. We get all bent out of shape. What, what should I do? They cussed. They're sinners. Sinners cuss. Sinners take God's name in vain. Does it hurt our heart? Oh, you, yes, it does. But you know, sometimes we, we get so bent out of shape and we're like, why aren't you acting like a saint? They're not saints. And we undermine 
Why are they being rude? Well, don't be rude back. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't, my, my, uh, uh, why didn't they wait on me as I thought they should? Do you understand? They're, they're not all saved. They, they don't all know. And you know what? We can undermine our position. Oh, you go over to that church, and that's the way you act? That's the way you treat people when they, they don't do it your way or they don't do it in, in your time frame? You see what I'm saying? We can all get there. This is really practical, friends, because Timothy is being told, Timothy, as you pastor there in Ephesus or, and as you continue to minister for the Lord, uh, make sure that you hold fast to sound words. It's great. I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. I go over to Grace Baptist Church, but make sure you do it in faith and love everywhere you go. People are watching you everywhere we go. Everywhere. And they know. They can tell. And so God instructs us to stand firm in doctrinal words, in the words of truth. But also, he gets a little bit more specific. He says in verse number 14, stand firm in the gospel, that good thing which was committed unto thee, Timothy, that good thing, the, the good news, the good message of the gospel that was committed to you, entrusted to you, that was deposited into your care. Timothy, I want you to keep that. I want you to hold on to that. But I want us to consider this matter that we have been entrusted with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ just as Timothy had. Yes, he was a preacher. Yes, he was, a, uh, was called to do that uh, um, by the Lord. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, sure, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That is written to every single believer. You know, God has committed to you the same, the same gospel that he committed to Timothy. And he gives this into our trust. He says, I want you to hold on to this. I want you to take it, and I want you to be responsible for it. Commit here does not mean to do, uh, take and do as, as one pleases. Oh, it's mine now. No, commit is, it's entrusted to you to, to make sure that you take it, use it, deploy it, invest it, disperse it, so as to please the one who committed it to you. Timothy, this isn't for you to do as you please. I think uh, a good illustration of this would be our, our deacons are entrusted with what we call the benevolent fund. When we have the Lord's table, we take a benevolent offering. What is that offering for? That's for needs that arise within the church or sometimes outside of the church. And the deacons, I tell you every time, the deacons administer that fund. What have we done as a church family? We've said we're entrusting to you a fund, some money, to be able to reach out and to bless people and to help people along. And we've committed that to their trust. We did not commit it to their trust to go spend uh, on a new bass boat, right? Right? You know what I'm saying? We committed it into their trust to spend and to help those. We did, not, we did not commit it into their trust to just sit on it. And, you know, and, and 15 years later, we find out there's, there's all this money that it's never been dispersed, right? We, we committed it to, uh, to enable them to help others and bless others in the name of the Grace Baptist Church and the people of the Grace Baptist Church, really to show love from the Grace Baptist Church to one another. And so God has done the same thing to us. He's given it to us, not to sit on it, but to, to give it out, to, to express it to others. And it's so important that we take it, we expend it, that we give it out. And it's hard to say that we're standing firm on the gospel when we're not spreading or sharing the gospel with those around us at every opportunity that the Lord gives us. And so he says, I've committed unto you the word of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse number 20 tells us that we now are ambassadors for Christ. Now go use the word of reconciliation that I've committed to you. We are entrusted with the gospel, but we're enabled by the Spirit. Look at verse number 14. Kept by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. What's the idea of keep? It's to watch or to defend, and it's to, to guard, and to not in the sense of that, you know, I'm huddling. Again, it's not to, to hold it and to keep it back from other people. No, you can't have the gospel. That's not the idea at all. It's not, you know, uh, when someone's defending the football. I'm not a very good sports guy, Brother Justin, but, you know, when someone's defending the football, that's another, another story. Uh, but when we're defending the gospel, it's to, to stay true to it. 
I'm not going to let false doctrine come in or another doctrine come in. We're going to stand firm on the doctrine, the very words of this, of this gospel, and so that it can be given out to others and can be beneficial in their life. The Bible tells us in Jude 3 that we're to earnestly contend for the faith. But how is Timothy to do this? By the Holy Ghost. We cannot do this in our own strength. I need the Holy Ghost to give me the boldness to do it. I need him to help me with the the words with which to to stand for the gospel. I need him also to give me the right spirit because sometimes my spirit can get crossways. Can't yours? And I need him to give me love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and gentleness, and goodness, and faith, and temperance. I need him to do all that for me. He can. The Holy Ghost dwells in us, he says. And you can expect him to help you to keep it, Timothy. The Holy Ghost who dwells in us that Jesus said in the end of Matthew chapter 28, Lo, I am with you always. That's the same Holy Ghost that will always be there and always be with you to help you keep the words of the gospel, to enable you to keep the word of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to always be popular. It isn't popular right now. The gospel is a narrow path to heaven. And people want to have this idea that there's multiple ways that lead to heaven. We preach that there is one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We need to stand by that. We can't, we can't deteriorate. Uh, you know, I was watching something on YouTube this, this, this week. It was a, a, a collage of multiple TV and nationally known preachers from past years, uh, some living, some not. And you know how many, when asked directly, is Jesus the only way to heaven and to eternal life? Do you know how many waffled? Out of, I think, was the eight that they had on there. Uh, only three stood and said, nope, it's Jesus Christ alone. Now, that's not shocking to you. No, not, not at all. But I'm saying, do you realize when, when we get in the pinch when someone's talking on talking to us we can waffle so quick well i i'm a sincere muslim shouldn't i go to heaven i'm a sincere that's the talk that's out there right now as long as you're sincere god sees your heart and even some people if i mention some names even some people that were nationally known as starting out to be preachers of the gospel in their later years became very very shifty in this matter i'll just go ahead and mention it billy graham became extremely shifted in this Yet, we still hail, and I I appreciate those that came to the Lord Jesus Christ through his ministry, but I cannot go with him. uh, He's he's dead and gone now, but you understand what? His doctrine shifted at the end, and he waffled in this matter. He did not stand. He waffled very badly. And so, if it can happen to a guy like him, why, why cannot it happen today? And so the Bible tells us, make sure that you stand firm on these doctrines. And so, Many other Gospels are, are creeping up and popping up all around us, and so it's not popular to preach the, the Gospel of the Bible, but it's the only one that can save a soul. It's the only one that can get a nation back to God. It's the only one that can get a person back to God and right with God. It's the only one that can reconcile a soul to God. It's an amazing thing. You know, some mix the gospel with worldly means in order to attract people. Listen, friends, this is not, this is not at all. I, I know some people say, well, bless God, you know, we're, we're small. We'll always be small because we, we, we uh, don't you know, use worldly methods. All right, let's, let's put aside the kind of the victimhood of that. We need to just boldly present the word of God and expect God to do great things. I believe even this summer that God's going to do something in our midst and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Has he lost power? No. Has his gospel lost power? No. The same gospel that was preached at Pentecost is being preached today. May we have, expect the power of God to show up and, and work in people's hearts. And so uh, we, uh, we think about how people will mix the gospel with worldly means. They'll, they'll use something to, to try to attract people in. Then we'll, we'll give them a little bit of gospel. <laughs> no. You know what you win people with, you have to keep them with? If you win them with a casual approach to God, you have to keep them with it. The casualness with which people are addressing God and talking about God, the, the, the popular pop Hollywood-style churches, and it's even creeping in, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's even creeping into the independent Baptists. I watch it constantly. 
It's creating a casual, casualness with which we approach God. And friends, what we think we have to win them with, we will have to keep them with. You see how taking a stand is a whole church matter? It's not just about a, a pastor. Yeah, a pastor has a, a big part of that, but it's a whole church matter. We have to be committed to this thing. We have to be committed. Listen, God did not say that music was the power of God into salvation. He did say that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. If we think that we can improve the gospel with a little bit different style of music and finally get people to get saved, that is extremely arrogant. And it's extremely demeaning to the power of the gospel. And it's extremely disrespectful to um, what Jesus Christ did at the cross. It is the power of God into salvation. And we have to stay with it. Um, why, why, why do we maintain a conservative position as a church? It's not just to be odd. <laughs> I want to reflect this more than we, uh, reflect that out there. The world is, is changing so fast. And by the way, if we start trying to reflect them, at, at what point do you jump off that bandwagon? At what point do you say, okay, well, they've gone too far? And the fact is, what's really happened with the American church is we've gone and we've been following and following all the way along, and now we're, we're in a pitiful position where we are powerless because we have demeaned the power of the gospel. We've not taken the stand we need to. It's amazing to me. Some mix the gospel with worldly means. We ought not do that. Some say the gospel only works for certain sinners. That's an, another amazing thing. Even as we sang that song the Brother Caleb picked tonight, uh, when he said, whosoever, it included me too. I was thinking the whole time, praise God, like he included me. There's not one sinner that's beyond the reach. And that's why I say, and I, 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 we need to keep this perspective, church family. We must keep this, church, uh, this perspective that as the lost, though they are running away from God and they're being destroyed, they're being ravaged by sin right now. The, the world around us is going to be even more diseased and more, uh, have more issues, more scars because of the sin that is being engaged in all across America. But when they come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are churches that will say, you know what, you're beyond, the, you're beyond, beyond hope. You engage in a homosexual lifestyle, you're beyond hope. What do you do with the Bible when it says, in such were some of you? But I'm telling you, right now in some churches that claim the same doctrine set that we, we claim, they will put out there. I realize there, is, there are people that, that are against God, but they'll put out there, we don't even want you in our church. That's a problem. It, it, is, it is, what's amazing to me is, is those same will say we're not Calvinist, we don't believe in limited atonement, but we actually do. All these are perversions and, 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 and part of not standing firm on the gospel. And so how important it is for us to stand firm and trust God, <laughs> trust him. We're going to stay with God no matter the consequences. We're going to stay with God no matter what. And we're going to do it with faith and love. And so it's so important. And as we stand firm, I want us to see these last couple of verses here. There has to be a, a choice to stand firm regardless of what happens, regardless of who's with us. Now, let's say, that sounds like a suicide mission. No, 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 it's, it, it's not. It, the, the idea is we're, we're, we're shooting to please him and him alone because that's the one we're accountable to. That's the one we're going to give account to at the end of this age. And if we see, if we see many people come to the Lord or a few people come to the Lord, we're still going to give an account to him. He's, he's the master. And so you see here, Paul stood firm and could show that to Timothy. Paul stood firm regardless of who was with him. Over and over he was forsaken. Notice there in verse one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 15, This thou knowest that all they which be in Asia be turned away from me. Now, did you see that? It actually used, Paul used the word all. The majority. All. Everyone. It was so, it was so complete 
The believers in Asia were so against Paul that Paul actually pens here under inspiration of God, all words in the, in the word of God being true. He says, all they that be in Asia have turned away from me. Now think about that. Politicians are often known for putting their finger in the air, right? Seeing which way the wind's blowing. But do you know that some believers and those that were in Asia... Yeah, Paul's not popular. We're not with him anymore. Huh. I bet you Paul could have... You know what? Share this on the news. I bet you Paul could have done this and he wouldn't be in prison today. If he had just done this, if he had had a little bit different position. You know how it goes? And they turned on him. The Bible talks to us, I believe it's in the book of Philippians, that, that, that some use Paul's imprisonments as, as opportunities to kind of set themselves up for greater opportunity. And they, they preached a gospel of contention. Now Paul had the right spirit. He says, I rejoice that Jesus Christ is preached. But the fact of the matter is, these believers in, in Asia, Paul's not popular, we're turning. And the word turn, the word turn is the idea to reject. <laughs> it, it, it's a turning away. It's a complete turning away from something. They made this choice in a moment they made this choice. Paul did not tell them, go on your way. They, they made this choice, and it's almost as if it was a reaction. You know, it's amazing how many times we can react to things. God wants us to, to be stayed, to, to, to allow his spirit to guide us. But it's amazing how many times we can react to something. I've done it many times. React to something, and you realize that my reaction wasn't right. These people reacted in the moment. We, we don't want We don't want to be with Paul. We're going to go the other way. And they turned away from him. And here's what I want us to understand. That in, in the ministry, in serving Jesus Christ for all of us, there will always be disappointments. There are always going to be some disappointments and some rough patches along the way. And we get in our American mindset, we think, boys, following Jesus, it's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a light show every time. Right? That's what, that's what popular Christianity wants us to think. Come to Jesus because he'll make your life better. He'll make your life smooth. He'll put money in your bank account. You know how the, you know how the story goes. But actually, I think if I remember, why don't you turn over to Matthew, um, Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34. You know how deceptive Satan is? He twists things so, so much. I mean, he can even get people to be all misfocused in this matter. Mark 8 and verse number 34, uh, this is how Jesus advertised uh, himself and following him. And when he had called the people unto himself with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, I want you to take up the cross of sacrifice. I want you to follow me in my sacrifice. That's what I want you to do. And all around us, we hear, oh, it should be wonderful. But in the, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, there will always be disappointments. We should expect that. We should understand that that is the reality. We are in a spiritual battle. And there were particularly two that had, had been very grievous towards Paul, though, uh, 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 though Paul doesn't go any further in, in talking about who these two individuals were, what they had done understandably timothy knew but paul did not say he didn't go any further and by the way it's kind of interesting god just allows their names to be in there and doesn't say anything more about them they go off the pages of scripture in shame right they had reacted we don't want to be with paul what a disappointment i don't know if these guys were soul winning partners with paul or had welcomed him or had kept him in their in in their home I don't know exactly the, the ins and outs of, of these individuals, but they had deserted, they had turned from Paul in his hour of crisis, in his hour of suffering. Think about this. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 that we are to look around us and we are to consider the great cloud of witnesses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, 
the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I have a question. Do you know what verse comes next? Do you know what we're told to do next? Anyone remember? For consider him. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Well, they turned against me. They've said some pretty nasty things, sure. And Jesus says, I want you to keep my eyes, your eyes on me, and I want you to consider how that I was contradicted by sinners so that you don't get weary and faint. And I believe that's exactly what Paul was doing because he mentions it, and you notice what he does? He goes right on. Now, a person that's dwelling in the hurt, you know what they do? They stay there. They don't talk about anything else. Nothing's good. Oh, this servant Jesus thing is, is awful. Uh, it's such a burden. Such a, such a weight. I wish I could just break it off my shoulder. I wish I could just live a life, you know, just, just go to church and, and, and not have anything else to worry about. I, I wish I didn't have to be involved in all these different things. And you know what? Paul goes right past these, these individuals, all this majority, all this majority in Asia who were against him, and he goes to one individual. Notice this, Onesiphorus. Say that word with me, Onesiphorus. How would you like to name your child that, right? Onesiphorus, come on, Oni. And so anyway, I want us to realize there's always going to be um, disappointments, but there will always be a delight if we'll look for it. If we'll look for it. And the Bible tells us here, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he has oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my bonds. The name Onesiphorus means one who brings profit or benefit. And he had a reputation for refreshing the apostle and ministering to the apostle. He ministered, and this word minister at the end of verse number 18 is actually the word for deacon. So the likelihood is that this was a deacon at the church of Ephesus, that when Paul was through there, this man had the reputation of saying, hey, Paul, what, what can I do for you? How can I help you out? How can I lift your burden? Oh, you need that person uh, picked up or that person discipled? I would love to do that. And his heart was to serve and to refresh. And Paul says, he has revived my spirit. So here in the midst of all these people who were critics and were against Paul and had turned away from him and rejected Paul, Paul zeroes in on one individual who comes to his mind and says, Timothy, you know this guy? Boy, he's just such a blessing to me. What an encouragement. What a delight. When he came to Rome, he wasn't ashamed. And by the way, Rome wouldn't have been a popular place to be as a Christian. Nero wasn't too fond of Christians. And especially being in Rome as a friend of Paul, you're asking for that guy? Onesiphorus was not coming to give commentary on what Paul should have done to stay out of, stay out of Rome. He was coming just to be a friend to be a support, to be an encourager, to revive his spirit. And one man out of so many that are, are, are mentioned uh, there uh, in this passage, that all those in Asia, one man stands out before the Apostle Paul as the one who was a delight, was an encouragement. You know, we can get so focused on the, on the people who are criticizing, the people who are turning away, and miss the very people who should give us great delight and give us great fulfillment that God is working in their life and there is great joy to be had in the, in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about Moses, again, who led one million people plus through the wilderness. What a job. Can you imagine that job? Can you imagine that? I can't. No way. Not at all. But you know, there's very few individuals that are mentioned as helping Moses. Can you think of several? Give it to me. What are the individuals that helped Moses over his lifespan? Just yell them out. Joshua, Jethro, Aaron and her, Aaron and her, they lifted up the arms. One more, Caleb. Now think about that. Think about the statistical, you know, the statistical difference of that. All those people. You know, what happens if, if Moses would have just gotten focused on all that? And he did sometimes, it, it got to him sometimes but you know god gave him the people that he needed help and he could delight and delight in their faith what about it when caleb says i'm an old guy but you know i want that mountain by god's grace i'm gonna get, you know, 
You know what I'm saying? That, that spirit, that same spirit that Moses sent him into the promised land as a spy to, um, to, to search it out, that same spirit that he had, what a, what a refreshment to Moses. And even, even as they came back in the 12 spies, they were two, uh, two against the other 10, and, and they're standing up and they're saying, hey, Moses, we can do this. You know what I'm saying? Paul's in this situation where there were so many that were against him that there was this one that came to mind. And friends, we should want to be like that Onesiphorus, the one who just serves. You know, I told our class this morning that a servant can, you can tell a servant uh, in this way, a servant is a person who doesn't react when they're treated like a servant, right? Who doesn't react when they're, they're just assumed that they'll be there and take care of it. When they don't get some thanks, they just serve. I don't, I don't know the exact personality of an Onesiphorus, but I believe he was an individual who was just there to serve. That's what he was described as in verse 18. And it was such a blessing to the Apostle Paul. You know, we can all be that to one another. It, it, it could take one critic to stop somebody from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It could take one critic in the church to stop another church member from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They talk about pastors they can, they, that will often quit just over a few critics, right? It, one critic, one person that, that, that's sideways. But, oh, that we'd trust the Lord Jesus Christ that would say, mm, I'm, I'm going to get past all these that may be against and focus on the delights of the ministry. And there is joy in serving Jesus, is there not? There is joy. Praise the Lord, there's joy. The Christian life is a battlefield. It's a battlefield that requires us to stand strong. That's why he told us to put on the armor of God, to stand firm. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to, stand, um, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. Right? Having done all not backed away, you've stood firm, having done all, to stand. And Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to stand firm. Stand firm in the very doctrinal words, the very correct words of Scripture, the words of truth. Stand firm in the gospel and stand firm in the in difficulties too. And there's going to be the disappointments, but there's always going to be delights there that we can focus on. And may God help us to do that even this week. Let's stand in an attitude of prayer tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and for these truths, these practical truths that help us. I pray, Lord, now as we take some time to just pray and to commit these things to you, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stand firm in your truth, in your gospel, and through difficulty this week. And I pray that you would encourage the hurting soul that might be here tonight or watching tonight. I pray that you would lift, uh, lift them up and encourage them by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's find a place to pray tonight. In the quiet of this moment, maybe you'd pray there, God, help me to stand firm. God, help me not to, uh, to back down, to waffle, to turn aside. Oh, God, would you help me to stand firm like Paul did? To not give up on the doctrine, to not be ashamed of the, the reproach that comes along with following Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.